Well, good morning, church family. We're going to uh, take a little hiatus from Matthew and jump into the Gospel of John this morning. So you can open up your Bibles to John chapter 3. Uh, the reason we're, we're taking a little break from Matthew is that for the next two weeks, I'll be um, gone over across the river to Southern Seminary doing a little bit of teaching. Uh, Garrick Bailey will be doing some of that with me as well. Um, and so uh, next week, I think Pastor Chris will be preaching, and then the following week, Pastor Brian. And so instead of uh, jumping into chapter 11 of Matthew and then waiting a few weeks to get back at it, uh, I thought we'd start here in John chapter 3, and I'll explain a little bit more why I chose this passage. Well, let's, uh, let's read John chapter 3. Let's uh, read the first 15 verses um, before us. And uh, if you don't have a copy of, of the scriptures, right there in the back at the tech booth, we have a stack of Bibles, and you can make sure you can have one of those. And if you don't own a Bible, that can be a gift uh, from us to you. John chapter 3. Listen to this account of Jesus um, and Nicodemus. John writes and says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who is descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Well, I hope that you had a, uh, a good Christmas and uh, New Year's and kind of that extended holiday time. I always enjoy it, uh, enjoy all the football and the extra food, although I, I have to admit I had to download the Lose It app. Uh, I felt a little guilty. My pants were a little tighter, so I'm uh, trying to get ahead of things. Not a New Year's resolution, just trying to rectify the damage that was done over the last two weeks. But however, maybe you're like me, and, and uh, getting back into your normal routines uh, can be a little challenging, might be a little more difficult. Maybe you're dreading tomorrow morning. 
thinking, oh, I've got to get back into the routine uh, and, and, and getting up. Perhaps uh, you've been lazy just a little too long. You feel a little sluggish, maybe a bit slothful. And, uh, and so while you, you hope to enter the new year with a bang, uh, maybe you're, you're starting out of those starting blocks a little slow. Well, the same could be true, not just in our, our daily routines, our life, getting back to work, and, and all the things that we need to be doing. Same can be true for our walk with Jesus. Perhaps over the break, your, your normal times of, uh, of worship, of quiet time, Bible reading, time in prayer with the Lord, uh, maybe they, they just went up in smoke. They didn't happen because you got people in your house or you've got things doing or, or just your schedules are off. And so all those dedicated times that you usually had with the Lord, maybe, maybe they, they've been lacking. Maybe that, that Bible reading plan that you, you downloaded and you were set to do, you're like, oh man, it's January 5th and I haven't done any of it. Uh, or I started on that first day and I haven't, haven't done anything since then. And, and maybe you're at the point now that you, you feel guilty, you feel like there's a weight. Maybe some of you are like, I didn't even download a reading plan. Uh, I'm far behind. And just the thought this morning of, of praying, reading, or, or maybe even getting here this morning was a challenge. Maybe just getting up and actually having to, to wake up to an alarm was a challenge this morning. And so what do we do when we get in these spiritual funks? When we're kind of spiritually sluggish and we got to shake off some of the cobwebs in our, our mind. Well, when I've been in these funks, and, and I can be honest, over the last two weeks I've been in a little bit of funk. I'm ready to get out of it. I'm glad to be here this morning. Glad to be with you and worship and get in a routine. My Monday started today, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go now. But when I, I get into those funks, and, and I think this will be helpful for all of us, I return to the fundamentals of the gospel. Sometimes I'm just like, I can't get all the way where I was. I just need to start at the beginning. I need to go back to the fundamentals of the gospel uh, so I can rekindle my heart, fan into flame those, those coals that have gone cold and sharpen my mind. See, the thing is, we cannot give to God in worship what we have not already received from him. That's why often our attempts to rekindle our, our walk with Christ are as, as futile as, as trying to draw water out of a dry well. We're searching. I'm going to pray, but I got nothing. That's because we're, we're, we're trying to draw from a dry well. And in those times, we we need to realize we cannot kickstart ourselves. Rather, we must come to the school of Christ all over again. We need to come to his words as we wait for him. I will rely on your words. That was fitting for us. We need to come to him again in order for his words to breathe new life into us. Breathe life into us. We must draw from his well, which, brothers and sisters, is never dry. It's never dry. And so this is what I want us to do this morning from John 3, 1 through 15. I want us to revisit Christ's basic teaching on salvation and eternal life. This, if you've been in church for any amount of time, this is a familiar text to us. We, we've heard this story, and, and I want us to come back to it, to, to revisit and be refreshed from, from our Lord and the gospel that we have firmly believed in order that we may be motivated 
be motivated to worship him and, and start the new year afresh, anew, recommitting ourselves to him this year. Because brothers and sisters, we never graduate from the gospel. You realize that, right? Some of us some of are oh yeah, I've heard this before. I'll check out. No, 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 no. This is the time to, to check in. If you're checking out, that means you're sluggish. You got the cobwebs going. No, we come to God's word. We come to be refreshed. And we never graduate from the gospel. The gospel is not something that we, we, we have merely believed in the past and then we move on to bigger and better things. No, the gospel is the truth we continually believe and continually hold fast to. Yes, there's multifaceted uh, elements to it. It has endless dimensions. But it's this good news, this gospel, which is fundamentally the message of Christ. This word that has been preached to you. And it is a word that causes us to be born again. Born again and enables us to enter the kingdom. <clears throat> And it is this truth concerning the new birth which reminds us that our salvation is from the Lord. That's what we need to be reminded of. Because oftentimes we're saying, I'm going to try and pick myself up by my bootstraps. But, but when we come back to the fundamentals and we realize, my salvation is from the Lord. It's not from me. And where we get so guilty, we, we, we bear these weights is because we're looking introspectively, trying to find something in us to get us going. What we find in the scriptures, we come back to these basic truths, the basic truth of the new birth, of being born again, that God has done a good work in us, amen? God has done a good work in us, and he promises to continue that work, to complete that work until the day in which Christ returns. It's this surety of God's glorious work of salvation in us which actually draws us near to him. That's what pulls us closer. That's what turns our gaze upon him that we may delight in him. I hope that that's already begun to happen as we sang. Our, our worship team has led us gloriously in those truths and those, those songs and has, has filled our hearts and, and we've sung to him and hopefully we've just kind of broken out of some of that funk. But now we're going to come and sit ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Maybe like a little fly on the wall, uh, what it looks like to come in. John does that in his Gospels. He gives us all these private encounters one of the distinguishing marks of John's gospel. In, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, we get the big crowds. We get, we get the, the, the great scenes of, of miracles. There's some of that in, in John. But John brings us into the very room, into the one-on-one -on -one conversation. So I want you to be like a little fly on the wall. Maybe, maybe you could sit on Nicodemus's shoulder or something like that. And you can just sit here and begin to listen. And as we listen, I want us to consider three questions about the new birth. Hope these will be refreshing to you. The, these three questions. Number one, why must you be born again? I'm assuming most of us have been, but some of us haven't. And it's good to remember, even if we have, why must you be born again? Number two, what does it mean to be born again? What does that even mean? We'll talk about that. And then how are you born again? Well, let's consider the first question. Why must you, why must people be born again? Again, see, often when we come to Jesus' encounters with individuals in the Gospels, we, we've seen this in Matthew, who does Jesus usually come to? He comes to the lame. He comes to the blind. He comes to the demon-oppressed. Uh, we've seen him raise the dead, heal the sick. 
We've seen him cleanse the lepers. But on this occasion, Jesus doesn't go to one of those people. No, no, Jesus is now speaking with someone put together. He's well-to-do. He's, he's respectable. He's, he's very religious. When you see Nicodemus, this, this person, you don't, you don't think that guy needs some help. You might even think, man, I, I'd love to be like him. And for most of us, we're more likely to identify with a Nicodemus. Yes, the scriptures tell us that we, we should see ourselves as unclean as the leper because our sins have made us unclean. But that's hard to identify, right? Because most of us don't feel like we're social outcasts. We don't feel that hurt. We don't, we don't, we don't bear the stench of death literally upon us. No, we identify more with Nicodemus. We're, we're contributors to society. We, we work a job. We, uh, we have friends. Most of us have all our needs met, right? We're not looked at with suspicion when we're walking the streets or we're entering the stores. We're upstanding citizens. And, and, and added to that, we're, we're faithful church attenders, right? Yet Jesus tells us in this encounter with Nicodemus that none of those things have any currency in the economy of the kingdom. None of those things get you any standing with the king of the kingdom. In fact, Jesus says, you and I, Nicodemus, you got it all put together. Well, guess what? You need a new life if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. You need a new life. Look in verse 3. Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, now, when Jesus, whenever you see Jesus say truly before he says something, that, that, that means listen up. That means this is important. You need to remember this. But here in our text, Jesus goes truly, truly. This is of utmost importance. And there's a sobriety to what Jesus says here, isn't there? There's a seriousness. And I, and I think for many of us, in our culture, I'm not saying we got to be serious all the time. We can't ever be jovial or, 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 or carefree. But sometimes, some of us don't want to just sit down and have the serious conversation. We just soon not be serious, but Jesus is very serious here. He sobers us up. Now, Nicodemus, I, I'm sure, comes in the conversation thinks, hey, you know, I think a lot about Jesus. We've seen the signs that he does. No one could do these signs unless they're from God. And so he comes in, he sits down with, with Jesus, and, and probably in his mind thinks, you know, I'm the ruler of Israel. I'm one of the chief Pharisees. I'm going to come visit Jesus, and I'm going to let him be a part of our team. You know, and he thinks he's going to come in and he says, Jesus, he starts telling him all the things. Hey, I'm really encouraged by what I see you doing out there. God must really have his hand upon you. And he's just thinking he's going to have a chill conversation. And, and Jesus doesn't even acknowledge anything that he says. He says, you need to be born again. You can just imagine, just cuts him off. He's, he's here talking, talking about the game. What's going on? Hey, you're doing great. You need to be born again. Oh, we're going there. Okay. All right, this, this, ser this conversation took a turn. In other words, Jesus tells Nicodemus, as it currently stands, Nicodemus, you're not worthy of the kingdom. That's what he's getting at. 
oh, how, how can that be? And you can see throughout this whole encounter, Nicodemus cannot get his mind around this idea that he's not worthy of the kingdom. He can't get it. Well, why is he not worthy of the kingdom? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 6, he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Now, what, what's Jesus referring to? Jesus is teaching Nicodemus. He's teaching us. We're a little fly on Nicodemus' shoulder, remember? He's teaching us something about our humanity. He's telling us who we are. And what he's telling us in specifics is that we are fallen and that in our humanity we are corrupt. See, what the Bible teaches us is that each one of us is born with a sin nature. We've sung it. Sung it today. Uh, our, our sins are many, but your mercy is more. Great song. But we recognize that we are sinners. And, and when we talk about our corrupt, fallen nature, what are we talking about? Well, this means that every facet of who you are has been touched, has been corrupted, has been tainted by the curse of sin. Every aspect of who you are has been. Now, now let me just correct one thing. This doesn't mean that each of us are as bad as we could be. Isn't that good news? This doesn't mean that each of us are as bad as we could be, nor does it mean that each of us are morally equal. Some of you are better people than others, okay? Some people are just better people, right? We know that. We work with people. Some people are good people, and some people, uh, not so good. But we're talking here on human terms, right? talking about human terms, but, but the point that we need to understand is that every aspect of who we are, in some measure, is fallen. And what that means is that, that, that we're bent, we're distorted, we're, 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 we're bent against God's loving rule over us. And I don't have to convince us of that. We know that we are Fallen. Paul describes the flesh this way. Jesus talks about the flesh. That which is flesh gives birth to flesh. Well, Paul unpacks. What is the flesh? What's well, a theme in the scripture? Well, well, Paul describes the flesh this way in Galatians chapter 5. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. These are clear. You can see the flesh on full display, Paul says. Here they are. He gives a list. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. He's not done. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Still not done. Drunkenness, orgies, and then he gets tired of it. He says, and things like these. <laughs> Works of the flesh are evident. He goes on, he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's just expounding upon what Jesus merely states here with Nicodemus. Those in the flesh, Jesus says, can't even see the kingdom, let alone enter it. That's what he gets at with Nicodemus. Now when we read that list of vices, you may not have every one of those box checked, right? but you saw yourself in at least some of them, right? At least one of them. And because our human natures are corrupt, they are, are sinful and fallen, this is why we're enticed by that which God calls evil. 
And you look at those lists. Yeah, maybe you you fought against those things. You've been pray born again, and you you have you're not living according to the flesh, as, as Paul letter says. You walk according to the Spirit, and you're you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh. But yet you know, I'm often enticed by those things. I'm often intrigued by them. I'm often drawn to them. And it's this allurement that is evidence that each and every one of us is still of the flesh. But do you see the good news in this? Some of you are like, no, I don't see the good news in that. Where, where's the good news? Well, here's the good news. It doesn't matter if you're as good as Nicodemus. Nor does it matter if you checked off all the boxes on that vice list. The gospel's for you. The good news is for you. This message of being born again is for you, and you are not outside of the power of God's saving grace. What the scriptures teaches us is that our sin, we sang it, is no match for the mercy of God. Paul says where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. You cannot out-sin the grace and mercy of God. So why must you and I be born again? Because our human nature is corrupt. And it keeps us from inheriting a kingdom that is set apart. So if you and I need to be born again in order to inherit this kingdom and inherit eternal life, what does that mean, right? What does it mean then to be born again? And so this leads us to the second question. What does it mean to be born again? Now, I, I remember this is back in college, but I remember this. It's stuck in my mind. I, I heard um, someone talking about one of their friends or a family member, someone close to them, who had become a Christian or was a Christian. And I remember distinctly them saying, they're one of those born-again Christians. You ever heard people talk about it kind of in that derogatory sense? Everybody, we're in class at the University of Kentucky, and everybody's like, oh, oh gosh, one of those. Now, what, what, were they, what were they rolling their eyes at? What, what about that term was causing them to kind of grimace? Well, what do they meant by that was this is a fanatic, right? This is one of those people who has no fun, no joy. He's a killjoy. They're, 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 they're ultra-conservative, and, and they think they're better than everybody. They're judgmental. That's what sometimes people think about when they think about born-again Christians. And that's really a shame because what we see here is, is, is that description of born-again is exactly the type of person that Jesus says needs to be born-again. This is Nicodemus, and he's telling him, you must be born again. And so when Jesus speaks of the need of being born again, get this, Jesus isn't talking about adopting some new lifestyle. He isn't talking about a, a, a new appearance that you need, to, you know, you, you need to, to, to conjure up. He isn't talking about a new political ideology or some new code of conduct. No, what Jesus is talking about when he says to be born again is that he's talking about being truly alive. If we were to just sum it up, he's talking about truly living. 
That's what, when we think about birth, we think about life. You need the new birth. He's talking about having the eternal life of the kingdom residing in you. That's what he's getting at. Now, Nicodemus doesn't catch on. He asks Jesus, well, how is this possible? Can a person be born again by getting in his mother's womb? And just the absurdity is, is all over the pages, right? He doesn't understand it. But Jesus isn't talking about a natural birth. He's talking about a supernatural birth, right? This is what he means in verse 5. Jesus says, truly, truly, sobering, right? No, you, you don't get this, Nicodemus. Listen to me. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now notice Jesus changes the terms again. The first time he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus doesn't understand this. So now Jesus uses, you must be born of water and Spirit to explain this. Now some of us are like, well, that doesn't help me much. What does that mean? Well, here in this verse, Jesus is, is explaining that, that the birth that I'm talking about is a cleansing. It's a resurrection. Jesus is referring to the Old Testament promises, particularly in Ezekiel 36, verses 22 to 32. You, could, you can go there on your quiet time today. And he's referring to the promise of the Old Testament. This is also in Isaiah and elsewhere. Jeremiah, you can look at it in the prophets, but it's, it's, it's very clear here in Ezekiel 36 that when the Lord comes, when the Lord returns, now we know this is in a two-part element, but the Old Testament, the Lord comes, when he comes for his people, he promises to do several things. Number one, that he will cleanse them of all their sins. He will wash them clean from all their uncleanliness. Not only that, he will remove their hard and stony heart and give them a heart of flesh and that he would place his spirit to reside in them. Coupled with this promise was also the promise of the resurrection. The resurrection, not of the, only of the body, but of the whole world. That God would resurrect or regenerate, if you will, the creation that has been corrupted by sin. So when the Lord returns, he promises he's going to cleanse his people of all their sin. He's going to remove all wickedness from the face of the earth. And then he is going to dwell with his people forever and ever and ever. God's promise was to regenerate his people. To make them alive and the world in which they live alive again. Freed from the curse. Now that word, regenerate, what, is, what does that come in your mind? It means to, to make new or to bring back to life. This was the kingdom God's people were looking for. A regenerated earth, a regenerated bodies, freed from the curse and all their enemies. As one preacher aptly put it here, the new birth is the power that God is going to use to regenerate the world brought into your presence. That future power, oh, when God returns, when Christ returns and regenerates, resurrects the earth, a new heavens and a new earth, he is bringing in in a very personal measure and placing it inside of you. So that you now have the future living in you. You're back to the future. That's kind of cool. Well, how does God do this? How does God do this? Well, he gives you his spirit, Holy Spirit. 
to live within you. And, and in this way, the eternal life of God is now given to you. God gifts you with the Holy Spirit. Now you might be saying, okay, that's helpful. That's really high and lofty. That's real theological. But what does that mean for me? What does that practically look like? What does that, well, give me something to hold on to. Well, I think this is helpful. Theologians have recognized that there, there are two new realities that occur in the person who's been born again, at least two. There, there's many more, but we only have time for these. Two new realities of one who is born again. And I think these are subpoints on the screen. First, the Spirit gives you new sensibilities. The Spirit gives you new sensibilities. What did Jesus say? Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom. So, if you're born again, you can now see, right? You can see the kingdom. You can see what you previously weren't able to see. In particular, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 1. You no longer see the cross as foolishness to you. But now as the power of God for your salvation. Now what does it mean to look at it as foolishness? Indifference it could be. Maybe, maybe, maybe you never have mocked the cross. Never thought it was stupid but it wasn't worth your time. You didn't see what the big deal was. But when you were born again, the cross is your life. The power of the cross. This isn't just a story. This is God giving his son for me. And your eyes are open and you, you cherish the cross in a way that you never cherished before. Both now your heart and your mind are open to new spiritual realities of salvation which you were previously blinded to. Now, this could happen in, in, in multiple ways. Maybe, maybe you grew up in church your whole life and, and, and you heard these things, but you, it never under, made any sense. It was like Charlie Brown's mom. Wah, 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 wah. Right? You're listening to the sermon. You, his mouth is moving, but I'm not hearing anything. And then the lights turn on. No more Charlie Brown's mom. You begin hearing. One of the great privileges I have, and, and we try to share this with you all, is, is getting to do the membership interviews. I hope that was a good experience for you. Uh, but it, you know, I enjoy doing that. Why? Because usually it's an hour of just hearing your story. It's not an interrogation. It's not meant to be that. It's just, hey, I want to hear how you're born again. Tell us the story. And one of the things that I hear routinely, and you all get in snippets in the two-minute shrunk down version that we try to keep it there on services. But it's not uncommon that, that I hear some of you say, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were, were religious and, uh, you know, we'd go to church sometime. And then you'll, you'll, you'll talk about how later the lights turned on. Yeah, I would always said I was a Christian, but then something changed here in this season of life, this time I used to not read my Bible. I didn't want to go to church. I rarely did. I didn't sing in church, certainly. But now I'm starting to listen to sermons. I'm actually downloading sermons. I love it when I hear that. I'm listening to services on my, my commute, and I, I'm reading my Bible, and I'm, I'm reading books. Now, not everybody does this. I'm just saying. But there's a, a sense in which now you have a new appetite for things. 
and you know, you, you want to hear God's word, you're coming to church on your own. Well, well, what happened? You were born again. That's what happened. That's what happened to you. Now you have a new appetite for spiritual things. Now, uh, we need to be careful. Sometimes we, we look at our experience of, of being born again, how the appetite is satisfied. And, and yes, generally speaking, the word and all its facets, but that looks differently in different people. But there is a, a time when you, you did not see, but now you do, right? You did not love, you were indifferent, but now you do. Second, second reality is that the Spirit gives you a new identity. Spirit gives you a new identity. Now, it's built within each and every one of us as creatures made in the image of God that we, we're created to worship. We're created to find value and worth in something or someone. And for some of us, we have sought to find our identity and our success, whether that's your, your, your work, your career, maybe as a student. You find your identity, your self-worth, your value in succeeding in those areas. And how do you know if that's where you find your identity? Because you're crushed when you don't succeed, right? Others find uh, their value in a spouse or in having a family, relationships. If I could have this, then I'm complete, Right? And when those relationships let you down, you're absolutely crushed because you found your identity in them. Others still measure their worth based on their religious achievement. And it crushes you when you don't meet your own expectations. All these things aren't necessarily bad. You know, relationships are good, success in your work and, and all those things. Pursuing godliness, those are all good, but they aren't the means uh, by which we are to find our, our identity, our self-worth, our value. The reason is, is that they're built on a false premise that they'll always satisfy you and always make you happy. But we've already managed to talk about this world is corrupt and fallen and so are we. That's not going to happen. However, when the Spirit of God gives new life, He also gives you a new identity. What do I mean by that? Just consider the metaphor of birth that Jesus has been using. When you're born by your mother, what does that mean? You're born into a family, typically right? You're born into a family. Now keep that thought in mind. Turn to John 1. You just need to go one page, at least my Bible, unless you got super duper high large print. It's only one page. Um, look in John 1, 12 through 13. This is what John writes, speaking about those who received Jesus. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, what happened? He gave the right to become children of God. There's the family language. Who were born not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. When you were born again, when the Spirit is given to you, you were born into the family of God. He's given you a new identity. You're a child of God now where you can find your worth, your value, your satisfaction, all those things as a child of God. So what does it mean to be born again? Well, it means to be regenerated from the inside out and the Spirit of God dwelling in you, giving you new sensibilities that you previously didn't have and a new identity. This leads to our final question. Well, then how, how, how are you to be born again? 
How does this occur? How did this occur in your life? Or if you don't know Jesus, I'm glad you're here today. If you don't know what we're talking about, maybe I am Charlie Brown's mom to you right now. Wah, 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 but I'm talking to you. What Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says to you, you must be born again. And so the most important question you could be asking right now is, well, how, how, how's that happen? How's that happen in my life? As we see, on one level, this is something you cannot do, right? We just read it. We were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. How are you born of God? Jesus makes the same point if we're back in chapter 3 and verse 8. He just uses a, an analogy here. He says, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Okay, what is Jesus saying? Jesus' point is, is it just consider the wind. It blows where it wishes, meaning no one, no human is controlling the wind, right? We don't control it. We just flip on the weather channel and we, it tells us where it's going, right? We can see the trees bending. We can hear the howling. We can see the effects of the wind, but we don't know where it's come from or where it's going. It, it seems to be out of our control, and, and it is out of our control. Well, in the same way, this is how the Spirit of God causes a person to be born again. You can't, you can't manufacture it. You can't control it. We saw this in, in the book of Acts. Simon the magician wants to buy the power to give the Holy Spirit. You can't do that. But you can see the effects of it in someone's life. So as theologians throughout the ages have note, rightly noted, uh, we cannot correctly respond to Christ until God does the work of regeneration in us. Jesus already told Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom unless you've been born again. Can't even see these things. You're blinded till this work of God occurs in your life. Yet the scripture, here's something important, so this is the other hand. The scripture never divorces repentance and faith from regeneration. We saw that in John chapter 1. To those who believed, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born. Now John's telling us kind of behind the scenes. Why? Well, you believe because you were born. Born not of the flesh, not of the blood, not of the will of man, but of God. Let's go to 1 Peter 1, 3. This is where Pastor Nathan read earlier today, and, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but hopefully you were paying attention. But Peter shows both of these ideas in, in this text. He is, he, he's, he's regeneration, born again, being reborn, but our, our own faith, our own faith, our own believing. Uh, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All right? Praise to God. That's what we should be doing. He has caused us to be born again. He's made us alive together with him through the resurrection. But go to verse 20. Peter's expounding upon this. He, speaking of Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. Do you see that? Through him, you're believers in God. 
through what he's done, through the power of the regeneration. You are now believers who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. What Christ has done, his death and resurrection, has been worked in you, so now you have put your faith in God. You see how that all works? Maybe you don't fully got your hand around, mind around it. That's how it works. He goes on. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Why? Because you have been born again. You see that? The basis of our response is because of what God has done in us. So coming back to the birthing analogy. You contributed to your first birth? Your mothers, did any of your children help you out? Oh, it's a pretty painful process. So I've been told. You and I, we didn't contribute anything to our first birth. However, our mothers gave their very lives, sometimes in the fullest sense, to give us life, right? To give us life. Well, in the same way, Christ has given his life for us so that we may be born again. Jesus puts it this way in verses 14 and 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That whoever, here it is, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That story in the Old Testament, Israel is wandering in the, in the wilderness and snakes are starting to bite them. And they're venomous and people are dying. Some of them cannot get up. And so Moses is instructed to lift this bronze serpent up because everybody can look up to the serpent. Everyone can look. And Jesus says, I'm like that bronze serpent in the wilderness. I will be lifted up. And he's talking about his cross. Look to me and I will give you rest. Look to me and I will give you eternal life. Yes, God is doing a work and has done a work through the, the power of the resurrection. Cross and resurrection has been brought into to your life and is the means by which you're able to believe. But if today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Look to Jesus. Because whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal eternal life. God's work of regeneration and our, 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 our belief in repentance are, 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 are interconnected. Are interconnected. You, if one's born again, they will believe. If one believes, they're born again. And so if you've not believed, call upon the name of the Lord and so you may be saved. Because unless you are born again, Jesus says you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So this is my prayer for us today as we close. If you're a believer, you've been a believer for any amount of time, I hope this has just been refreshing to your soul. Salvation is of the Lord. This is what he's done for me. And my prayer is that, is that this morning the Spirit has given you ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive the good news of Christ's kingdom. 
I hope you, you see that the new birth is God's gift to you, that when you were otherwise helpless in your sin, he, he gave his son for you. I hope that you see that the new birth has cleansed you of all your sin. Do you realize that? All your sins, past, present, and yet to be committed. He has cleansed you. He's given you new sensibilities. He's given you a new identity. And finally, I hope that you see that Christ has given his life for you so that you may have life in him, so that you may truly live. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel which we find rest for our souls. Amen. This is the good news that was preached to you. An abiding word, an abiding truth that God has done for us, is doing in us, and he will complete until the day his son returns to take us home into this kingdom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then let's respond to what we've heard in song. Dear Father, thank you for your abundant mercy. You've caused us to be born again to a living hope. You've regenerated us. You have washed us. You've cleansed us, not by works done by us in righteousness, by your great mercy and your kindness toward us. You have done this work in our lives. And Lord, I pray for anyone here right now who maybe they're, they're like Nicodemus. They grew up in a Christian home. They've, they're upstanding people, faithful church attenders. But they don't know you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would work in their heart now that you would unplug their ears, you would open their eyes, that they would not look to another, but they would look to themselves. They'd see that you're speaking to them. And they would stop looking to themselves and they'd look to the cross. And it would no longer be foolishness to them. But they would see it as your power, the power of God for salvation for them. And that they would no longer be ashamed of the gospel nor of Christ but they would believe on him and they would confess him and they'd submit to him as Lord of their life. Lord, would you do that? Do that for those who need to hear, those who need to be born again, those who are merely born of the flesh. May they be born of water and spirit this morning. And we pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.